Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Welcome back to Potside, everyone. This is, of course, Carlo. Uh, and today we are, well, I'm joined by the usual gents. Uh, hello, Kurt. Hey there, Pete. it's me, uh, secondary uh, assistant sub-engineer, Kurt. Oh, okay. There you go, Kurt, Pete, Chris, hello. Uh, Howdy. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Howdy, partner. All right. So um, we're we're uh, we got together today because we wanted to discuss after reading, of course, uh, the uh, 2008. Uh, it was actually um, a Locus Award winner. Uh, it did not get any. If I'm not mistaken, it did not get any other nominations or awards. Uh, but the novelette Pump Six by Paolo Bacigalupi. Uh, he, uh, also has written quite a few of other things as well as the, um, the rather more, uh, uh, famous, perhaps wind up girl novel that, uh, yeah, well, it won a bunch of, uh, I do believe it won like three, the three big awards mm -hmm. at once that the triple year. crown. Yep. The triple crown, but it also invited so much hate directed at him for writing about future Thailand. I have a question, uh, which is, yes, it, how long is this story? Because I I would have guessed it was just a short story. It, it must yeah. be just into the novelette yeah, range. Yeah, it, feels I, like, I, it felt like 6,000 or so. Yeah, I, I, was, I was also surprised by that because I was like thinking it was a short story because of the length and it didn't feel... Uh, it didn't feel very long. Uh, th that sounds like a backhanded compliment. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, it, it also kept a, a nice clip... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, along with everything else that was happening. Um, so, uh, Kurt, um, I, I, I do have to confess that I, I chose this one because you gave me an idea a while back, uh, because you wanted to read more stories about, uh, I believe your phrasing was people who are incompetent or incompetent people <laughs> doing jobs and hijinks. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I did. I, I definitely said that in some form at some point. I enjoy it very much, both for comedic purposes and also I think it's um I think it speaks to something that a lot of people feel throughout their lives where you mm. know it's it's like the it's kind of the human condition whether you are succeeding or failing in life, if you're not a maniac, to to feel like you are constantly on the verge of failure. And so mm. I think that when you heighten that by having somebody who really is out of their depth, um, it's something it, it reads tends to read a lot more sympathetic to me than someone who's like, I'm good at what I do. And it's like, well, who feels like that? <laughs> well, apparently, apparently Bateman, Sue's, uh, Sue's the, yes. the shift, the, the shift yeah. supervisor in this story thinks, uh, <laughs> although I don't think that's absolutely correct. Uh, I think Sue's also is very much aware that uh, she's out of her depth as well. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so, so we, we do follow, um, uh, I, I, I do want to say, uh, this is a story about heroic public employees, um, mm -hmm. or the heroism of, uh, public employees, uh, because Travis Alvarez, who is our main character, uh, is <sighs> Pete, uh, maybe, maybe help me out here. I, I, I do have my, uh, sort of take on it, but if I were to say Pete in, in a sentence or two, how would you uh, summarize this story? Okay, at some point we want to circle back as to why you picked me, but I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that um, this is uh, this is a story that's sort of like the machine stops, except uh, oh, the yeah, shitter stops cool. working first. <laughs> <laughs> the toilet stops. <laughs> <laughs> 
(laughs) (laughs) And, you know, one of the things that we, I mean, we sort of talked around this, Carlo, as, as we were reading this, this is definitely a subset of stories because you and I just going back and forth definitely came up with a few things like Cornblues, the marching morons. And what was the one that you came up with that was a little less eugenic-y? Uh, idiocracy, but without the eugenics. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, I would, uh, I would almost describe this. Oh, so, sorry, I didn't mean to step on you there. I, I, I to to add my two sentence take to it. I would describe this as almost a story about like a minor character in a Judge Dredd type universe. <laughs> yes, Just like like a public works employee who's in a, a fucked up collapsing city where nothing works and everything is like sickle fight. <laughs> yeah. The, the, yeah. The, the, the uh, um, janitor dreads of mega city one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It definitely, definitely things fall apart here. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> this, the shitter cannot hold. <laughs> <laughs> you you know that Scotty had to have uh, shouted that up to uh, Kirk, uh, Kirk at some point. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the pipes cannot hold it, sir. Um, yeah, I, I, I it, yeah, we, we, so, so the, the, the general summary of this uh, non- sort of like non one sentence version is that uh, uh, Travis Alvarez is a public employee who works at a sewage processing plant uh, that basically has become a, a, you know, you, you sit at the command center and there's six pumps that, you know, chug along and have been chugging along for as long as anyone has been there. And before them uh, chugging along without uh, any problems, um, and suddenly one of the pumps goes dead. Yes. And, and to be the, clear, when you say ahead. he works there, there are many people employed there, but he's the only <laughs> one who works there. Mm. Yes, absolutely. The, uh, the other, the, the one other guy, I, th- I think his name is Chi. It seems mm-hmm. like he has, he's kind of has like a heart in the right place. He's just like beat beyond incompetent. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, yeah. he can't even like uh, you know he he has serious issues with attention. Yeah. You know. Um. I mean, uh, Travis himself. It, you know, it becomes clear uh, later on that uh, he himself could have gotten through high school if he'd gotten some sort of help because he couldn't really understand like math. You know, mm-hmm. he, he flunked yeah. out of algebra and then dropped out of high school. Um, so, but well, yeah. he, he does have some curiosity about the world mm-hmm. and thinks to a certain degree, he thinks that things should, are somehow not great, but something, you know, he, he, he has hope that, that, you know, things are okay, but they're not great, but they're okay right now. Yeah. Go ahead, Pete. Well, then, uh, I was just going to add that the, the there's another, Somebody mentioned eugenics before, and there's this extra layer of somehow like. Can you guys hear me? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, my we were my listening little, respectfully. Okay. My 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 little uh, circle wasn't like moving. Anyway. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's it's like uh there somehow like humanity has like its general like intelligence has degraded. Like um there's some some hints that it's some sort of environmental mutation type thing. But like just generally people just seem more less, you know, less intelligent, mm-hmm. less uh, less common sense uh, to the point where there's actually a, a, a now like subspecies called the troglodytes, um, which anytime those pop, they popped up in the story was just like delightful because <laughs> yeah. they're just like. Uh, you know, hairy humanoids who just like smile, <laughs> fuck the time. smile and fuck just giant piles. Uh, yeah. Um. So, so Chris, I agree with your take, but I would say I, I, I got it much more strongly that it's because of like industrial waste. Okay. Uh, I thought it was up. a chemical thing too. Yeah. But, well, there's there, there's a few things that are littered throughout. Like they're they're talking about like there's all this there's all this like yellow sludge. There's a point mm. where one of the mentioned it's like oh like i turned on the faucet and like it wasn't sludge that that came out mm-hmm. um there's a few specific references that are kind of like subtextual to um do you remember the the one character whose name escapes me who uh travis tra- travis's 
Yeah. Nora, yeah. the, the friend like, of Travis's uh, wife. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so she swam in some water and broke out in these weird pimples. That's a really, that's a subscription that's very close to something called chloracne, which you yes, get from yes, really dioxin. heavy dioxin. Yes. Dioxin exposure, which was from, uh, that's like, that's like the Aaron Brockovich um, spill chemical. It was mm. also present at like Love Canal. It's like, it's like a, it's like a typical like industrial accident thing. And it and, causes really bad birth defects among other things. Most, most industrial toxins. Cause really bad birth defects. Yeah, but dioxin is horrifically dangerous, unusual yes. even for industrial effluent. Yeah. I love the fact that we both went there, man. That's cool. Oh, yeah, dude. When, when 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 someone's like, yeah, they went swimming in this water and now they have pimples all over. It's like, ah, ee, mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I know about that because of um, there's a book called Zodiac, not that was- Zodiac. God damn it. Get out of my head. (laughs) Never, Pete. Never. Um, I am you. Don't you see? We're the same you and me. Um, Yeah. uh, So there's there's an early Neil Stevenson book called Zodiac, which is basically about like a a polluted trash island in the middle of um, I think it's in the middle of like Boston Harbor or something where they they, they just people have just been dumping all the chemicals. And it's it's just it's kind of like like an environmental catastrophe uh, thriller. And it's like it's borderline sci fi. It's not it's like not overtly sci fi. Um, And they mention chloracne and a few other things there. And like dioxin exposure plays a big part um, in the in the plot. It's 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 a cool book because it's about it's basically about like an organic chemist who is solving an environmental disaster mystery and like rubbing elbows with like environmental terrorists. who 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 are kind of kind of on his side but also kind of not it's it's very interesting so so i do want to point out um uh, to to your to your points i i chris i i do agree that um that is more chemical Mm -hmm. uh yeah and Uh, probably is you know the result of just deregulation of different things there are several um sort of like little things through sort of like peppered throughout the beginning of the beginning scene of the story where, you know, you, you get like the nifty freeze bacon that yeah. <laughs> um, you, 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 all you have to do, it's, it's wrapped in this cellophane that uh, all you have to do is uh, I forget if it's, you have to like rub it a certain way or just, uh, you know, like uh, crack it or whatever. And it, it self fries. Um, there's also like the, um, the coffee uh, pods Mm-hmm. that uh just basically are little uh like little water balloons that uh you you just sort of shake them and they heat up and you're like oh that's convenient but how do they do that and so uh and then uh a little later in that same scene um uh basically Travis gets uh, tossed like this breakfast bar and uh it, the 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 story says I caught it and tore off the smiling foil wrapper and read the ingredients while I ate fig and nut and then a whole bunch of nutrients like dextroforma albuterholdehyde not as neat as the chemicals that thaw nifty freeze packets but what the hell it's all nutritional right (laughs) 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 my my favorite um little piece of like chemical technology that they mentioned is the the like smile health or whatever it's called like oh oh yeah yeah the sticker that his coworker wears that's supposed to like it seems like it's 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 not clear if it does anything or if it's just like total like like a woo woo shit. But it, he thinks that it keeps him safe from like like environmental toxins, basically. Yeah, yeah I, I I took it as that it was a complete like fraud and like yeah. well, um, I, that it was yeah. you know akin to like you know the ivermectin or or, or whatever of of well, today's I, world. Do you remember the foot? Uh, do, you, do you remember those 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 like foot pad things? About ten yes. years ago, yeah, there, there was they would change thing. color. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was the whole thing where where um, people got convinced that there were these like foot pad things that you would put in your shoes, and they would they would draw the toxins, quote unquote, oh. toxins out of your body through the soles of your feet, uh, and they would turn black, and that's how you, that's how you could tell they were working. the 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 trick, of course, was that they were like coated with a with, with a chemical that turned black when it was exposed to air, like no, no matter what. <laughs> so, <laughs> so so I, uh, Chris, to your point. Um, I, I thought, uh, I I do agree that it was a fraud, but I, I, even further, um, uh, the way I interpret it is because Nora was the one that tried to sell them 
uh, some some of the uh, smiley sticker thingies, mm-hmm. um, and I thought, oh, is this like some fucking like Herbalife MLM shit? Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. like it doesn't work, but yeah, you know, it, the, this, the super and, clean yeah. sticker parties. <laughs> uh, anyway, so um, I, I guess. The other thing is that the I, I was thinking a lot with the troglodytes. Um, I was thinking a lot about the the conversation we had about um, like the man apes in mm-hmm. in Book of the New Sun and yes. and like the the the, <laughs> the man the, apes <laughs> the rise man, apes. man ape. <laughs> although although I will say that the troglodytes could be male or female. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't have to be. They could be men and woman apes um, I, I loved his his description of like their their members it was like <laughs> well he's the, like uh, the, oh yeah the they have like sausage, sausage versus skinny pencil <laughs> <laughs> it's such a weird respect I, respect yeah i mean yeah, game, yeah recognize but, game <laughs> but but i also enjoyed the fact that he he didn't he didn't find them like like repulsive, like, oh my God, you know, he wasn't like violent or, or, or tried to be mean to them. He's just sort of like, nah, not interested, <laughs> waved yeah. off, yeah, kept exactly. walking his merry way. Yeah. No, thank you. No, thanks. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? So I, I was thinking about the, the sort of like the idea of sort of like the Morlocks versus the Aloy or, you know, mm. like the, the, degeneration of of the human race or splitting um into different subspecies mm-hmm. uh and and sort of how sort of we we had talked about how that sort of complicates a lot of stuff and that we'll never ever really be free of it and this is a perfect example of that i feel except that it's handled in a very different fashion that it's like sort of more of a well, you know, if you just inject so many chemicals into <laughs> into the atmosphere, well, guess what? Sometimes things happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, well there's no um uh there's no moral presentation here. Like mm-hmm. some of the other things we were talking about like idiocracy or um uh well the marching morons especially like there there's all sorts of things sort of within what i'm just going to call a genre for the sake of argument where the the terrible shit happening is really pointing a finger at specific assholes mm-hmm. and in here it's sort of like well we're 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 drinking our own wastewater folks what do you think is going to happen it's less of a um it, it's it's less of a singling out and it it um it changes the vibe of the story. It makes it like the uh, Alvarez is a character who is not filled with anger and hate over the death of the world. He's just mm-hmm. trying to make shit work. Like I respect the shit out of this guy. Like mm-hmm. I hope if the apocalypse comes, I'm going to die duct taping things together. Like that is, that is a yeah. noble task. Well, yeah. Well, and Oh, sorry. Oh, please go well, ahead. Chris. I was just, that, that was something I, I, I really appreciated about this story was that it, it was much more of a slice of life kind of story rather than like, um, you know, a big, like, Oh, he's fight, he's joining the underground and you know, that kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it, it was very, you know, a lot, lots of domestic scenes and him just going about his job. I, I, yeah, exactly. And I think that that reinforces your point, uh, Pete, where it, you know, the, the bad stuff happened way in the past and there, he's just like trying to live now. And uh, I, I think the story really underlines that. There's, so there's you- also a um, s- sorry to, to cut you off, Pete. There's, there's no also problem. a bit uh, where he there's a, there's a chunk of the story where Alvarez is basically like, I just need to go to the university and find the smart people. The people at Columbia will be able to help me. <laughs> and it makes a real clear point of basically like, no, no, like there are no smart people like there's nobody to help you because he gets there and finds out that. The, the engineering department, his last hope, closed down not like a year ago, 20 years ago. The mm-hmm. company that made the pump closed down 40 years ago. Nobody can fix anything. He meets he meets a woman who he thinks is a librarian and turns out to basically just be like someone who was like married to a member of the faculty and is just like guarding the library to keep it from being burnt down by the students who um, there's very strong – uh, imagery of basically like they're acting just like the trogs. They're just mm-hmm. they're just yeah. hanging out and fucking on the college lawn, basically. Like not they're not learning anything. They're not doing anything, and it really calls into question 
um, Alvarez's earlier experience where he he looks up to those people at the beginning. It's like, well, they were smart. I wish I'd been smart enough to get in, into Columbia like those people. And it really reframes his experience where he talks about how like he was asking his teacher to explain something to him and everyone else just laughed at him. And he assumes it's because they're smarter than him and they understood. And then um, a he encounters the Columbia students and they're just as stupid as everyone else. Uh, at the end. And also, he recalls something that his old boss, Mercati, said, where he basically says, like, your teachers didn't know algebra. So how could you have learned algebra? You should have stayed in school. Like, basically, like it's it's not your fault. The mm. people teaching you didn't know anything, which suggests that, like, there it wasn't that everyone else knew everything. He was just the only person saying, like, wait, I don't. I don't understand and was being laughed at for admitting he didn't understand and nobody else understood either. They were just quiet about it. Mm. Yeah. Isn't that, um, I believe that's called, is that the Abilene paradox where everyone agrees? Uh, oh, maybe gonna, it sounds, uh, it sounds plausible. Think, I'm going to agree with you here. because I don't know, but I don't want to admit that I don't know. So <laughs> yes, it's called the Abilene paradox. <laughs> you, you, you could also just laugh at me and tell me that I don't understand. It. Um, yeah, so uh, Abilene Paradox is exactly it. A group of people collecti collectively decide on a course of action that is counter to the preferences of many or all of the individuals. It's basically, you know, you, you end up in Abilene and then when people realize that it's hot, there's nothing going on, you know, everyone starts pointing fingers and everyone realizes that no one actually said we should go to Abilene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We just agreed to go there because everyone else thought that that was the right course of action. It, so it uh, feels like it has a strong class. In this case, it feels like it has a strong class criticism too. Where true, it's true. it's like oh no, like because I I think especially the fact that like it's Columbia, it's like a prestigious uh, university, um, and I think especially now um, th this this is something that really resonated with me about the story is. There, there's this sense, I think, especially in the last like 10 or 15 years of a bifurcation of society, right? Between like, not just of the haves and the have nots, but like, like an educational underclass and an, like an educational overclass. Like, okay, you went to college, but did you go to a good college? Did you, you know, did, what, what was your major? Was it like a real major or was it like a fake major? And there's a lot of like, like um, achievement worship now that has a strong class characteristic of like, mm -hmm. well, you're not really one of the people that solves problems, you know, like, like you don't have anything to contribute because you didn't go to Columbia. Maybe if you had gone to a prestigious school, maybe if you had, you know, parents who were, you know, as, like esteemed professors and were able to get you in somewhere, then you'd be one of the big people, but you're not, you're one of the little people. Don't worry, the big people will solve the problems for you. And that's very much how Alvarez goes into this thinking and by the end is like oh fuck the the big people are a waste too it's just me basically it's just me and i'm of the opinion that that um that view of the world is less revelatory now than it was a decade ago mm -hmm. well, i mean I, yeah yeah like as 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 uh, america was a meritocracy for a really 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 long time and then Certain political things happened. That, Certain political things. Yeah, yeah, that convinced everybody that it was like you, you lift the skirt and it's it's a horror show. Mm -hmm. I mean, ten years ago, Elon Musk seemed like he might be a smart guy. Oh yeah, <laughs> like absolutely. I, I I I wasn't in love with the guy, but I was you know neutral to positive on him ten years ago. Sure, Not so like, much now. He was investing money in things that we yeah. wanted to have happen. Yeah. He was still like, you know, a suspicious rich guy, but it was like, well, you know, he seems good natured and he seems like he's got a decent head on his shoulders. And now it's like, no, I, I think he's probably dumber than I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, well, not, not to mention like, well, yeah, yeah. I think that that's the issue is that even then- I think even uh, like what is it? Uh, SpaceX has has littered so much of the <laughs> of our uh, of our upper atmosphere that it's getting really difficult to <laughs> actually have 
functioning, you know, long range functioning satellites get up there and, uh, and continue to work without getting like clobbered by space debris left behind by SpaceX and shit like that. So that's yeah, it. I mean, that's, that's actually his other company, the name of which escapes me, but it's not, it's, it's, it's related it, uh, to SpaceX. Boring? Uh, no, he has, he has like a space internet company. Ah, okay, gotcha. um, that has been putting up a ton of satellites uh, and, and it's it's not SpaceX, but it's you are correct about what you said. I'm, I'm just Starling? being so sorry. Yes. Starling. Thank you. That's it. Yes. Yeah. I, I, th- I thought that's what. Um, yeah. No. And that's all. It, it, it's interesting because um, I, this story made me think of uh, Vonnegut's. Um, player piano uh because it's they're kind of opposites of each other whereas because vonnegut was writing from like the early uh you know early uh post-war era and where it seemed like you know america was on the march america and like we're going to let science take us to the to the new frontier you know and so player piano is all about a world where it everybody's like a, an engineer and there's like no, there's like, there's a under underclass, but there's no middle class anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like the, it's controlled by engineers. And uh, because at that, you know, he, cause he's writing in that context, but now uh, I'll just say, call him Paulo. Paulo uh, is writing, you know, more in a modern era where it's clear that like, you know, all, all levels are, you know, you know, probably like one, one gene away from troglodytes. I was I was really expecting uh, a turn in this story where he would go like up to the top of some skyscraper to where things were nice and all the rich people were hanging out in like luxury, ignoring the yes. problems. And the fact that that doesn't happen and there is no skyscraper, there is no nice skyscraper. It's just it's it's uh, instead of instead of turtles all the way down, it's shit all the way up. Uh, <laughs> yes really gives it this almost gothic quality because it feels like um it's got an it's got it, it it almost uses a horror device where it's it's not just that the trap has closed around your throat it's that it actually happened uh months or years ago and you yeah, didn't have, notice have you ever read gorman guest yes i have this feels like Gormenghast oh, in that yeah. sense. Yeah, with with like with like the nonsensical rituals like collapsing upon each other and like nothing. It's just people going through the motions of like complete nonsense all the time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't understand the significance of anything they're doing. So when finally a, like a clever person shows up and starts fucking with the program, they're totally defenseless. Which interestingly doesn't happen here. Like I, in some ways, it would be nice to have a villain so you could blame someone here. But I guess that's part of the point. I guess Suze is the closest you get to uh, to a villain because she really sucks and she's <laughs> oh. like a sex predator <laughs> and obnoxious her. and yeah, um, boy does she suck. Uh, <laughs> and um, but but yeah, yeah, and and the other th- the other thing about about Gormenghast that I, I'm I'm glad you brought that up is the weight of history bearing down upon the present. Especially yeah. that scene where Alvarez goes down into the like the sub basement, and he realizes that um, the pumps stopped sending error messages long ago, and it's just like page after page after page of thousands of things that need to be replaced. That was a very like Douglas Adams touch, almost that that kind of just like dusty old machinery that that has just been sitting there in the basement for years and years. it's it's very much like a techno gothic well yeah um, which but, i thought was so cool uh, apart from that like yes that's the pump 6 but then he goes to the other ones yes. and realizes that each of them has had been has been sending like these error messages and repair logs and and all sorts of like pages again pages and pages but they're still working and it just lends this this feeling of oppression and ominousness to it that you're like oh this is the ticking time bomb that this story uh has been sort of hiding from you really not to toot my own horn but um i wrote an article about i don't know eight months ago um called the architecture of woe of comparing basically like post-industrial uh society not not society post-industrial architecture and gothic architecture because a, a central characteristic of 
Gothic writing is the use of old crumbling architecture. And the reason for that is in the, you know, mid to, I guess, early to late 19th century, um, these aristocrats, as they traveled around, were seeing all these crumbling castles from an age of wealth and, you know, luxury. And so they got this sense of like everything around us is old and falling apart. We're surrounded by Greek ruins. We're surrounded by old German castles. We're not building new castles. They're all falling apart and crumbling. Everywhere around us is haunted by history. And we are in the same situation now where we are surrounded by old falling apart like infrastructure and factories like like I'm sure that everyone listening to this has a bridge in their area that's all fucked up, right? <laughs> and like it, it, it was built in you know 1924 in a week. We can't build a bridge in a week anymore. We can't even fix that bridge in, in a week. It, it's going to be closed for months to fix it, and we just watch it get more and more fucked up. And in the back of our heads, we know it's going to crumble eventually and fall apart. There, well, there was I'll- that that uh that uh that that bridge collapse in in uh, Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Like last mm-hmm. year, where it's just like, oh, we just don't fix stuff anymore. Oh, and it, I, fun I, it feels like a one to one thing to me, where it's like, it's uh, the the crumbling factories and infrastructure of today is the same as the crumbling castles of yesterday. Anyway. Do you remember the the Minneapolis Highway Bridge that collapsed? Oh yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I was on it. No oh, shit. shit. Like when it yeah. like when it collapsed. Yeah, when it collapsed, I was oh on a fucking God. bus. I just about shit on the bus. <laughs> because we could, you know, we felt the shake and we saw it, the, 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 the road drop in front of us. Jesus. Whoa. Glad it was you and not me. Just kidding. <laughs> but, I do, but I am glad it wasn't me. That sounds like Well, I'm horrible. glad it wasn't really me, actually. Uh, yeah, no. Um, there's an episode of, uh, well, there's your problem about that, I believe, uh, which is very much worth tracking down and listening to. Good, good, good leftist podcast. Well, there's your problem about, about engineering disasters. Mm. So to, to your point, Kurt, uh, you, you made me think of, uh, of something that I, I was made aware of, um, I think a couple of years ago, uh, we were driving, you know, we, 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 we were driving near Frederick, uh, in Maryland and, uh, it, downtown Frederick is very quaint. It's very cute. Uh, lots of brick buildings. Right. Um, and, uh, and so it, I found out or I was told by my, by my partner, my, my wonderful wife, that Frederick bricks uh, are basically scavenged for. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, the, the, the clay works, uh, I believe, were shut down probably at the – I'm working from memory, but I think it was like at the beginning of the 20th century. Um, but what happens is that because it became much more um, economically feasible to not make bricks that uh, that sort of durable, that if you really wanted that Frederick brick look, mm. what you would do is you would wait around, and 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 granted, it was a it was a big enough. Uh, uh, clay works that, you know, basically uh, throughout this, you know, what you'd call the Tidewater area, there's lots of buildings, you know, like uh, made with that same type of brickwork, right? Uh, and what, what, ha- what, is, what has happened is that since no one makes them anymore, you just wait around to see if a building gets condemned or it falls over or whatever, and you scavenge I mean, nowadays, I guess you'd have to put out like a bid or something like that. But basically, you're scavenging the old bricks to then repurpose them and use them to build a house, uh, you know, for for you know many mm. times the price of whatever the the, the materials are. Mm. Um, and it, that that durability is something that actually comes to bear in this story, right? Because the mm-hmm. the whole point, uh, sort of of the the pumps and uh, what is it? Um, is it pressure dying? <laughs> it's the the fake company. Yeah. Uh, the reason that that they you know that even someone like you know Alvarez uh, is able to glean is like oh they made it too good you know mm-hmm. and and it sort of bankrupted them because they didn't they didn't plan any obsolescence into the into the process you know mm-hmm. that would have yeah. kept the the company alive. Yeah. And um, Jesus. Kurt, your your point made me really think about like uh, you know, it's it's almost hauntological, uh, yeah. You know, 
like living in these like crumbling industrial and that, you know, that, and that connection made me think of, um, you know, have you been hearing about the so-called forever chemicals that like they get in our system through like, you know, Teflon Teflon and, and, and things like that. And they just, we just have permanently have chemicals in our system that just Mm -hmm. never, never get expelled. Um, you know, and then there's the whole, now that like the microplastics, like, uh, you know, so like this story, not only are we like, uh, haunted by the crumbling industrial, uh, like, you know, landscape, we're also haunt, like fit, like literally physically haunted in our bodies by like the, the, the effluent of these places. Like, uh, it's, it's really, and and I think the story captured, like, you know, it, it definitely captures that. Yeah, well, one and of, think one about of how. The, oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Think about how fast it happened. Like my dad was born in like the early '40s, and none of that was really on the radar, and most yep. of it wasn't a problem. And now we're doomed. Like one man's lifespan was enough to just fuck us. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And the interesting thing about these. Uh, about industrial catastrophes that tends to happen is the damage is done a long time ago or over a long period of time, generally. And then suddenly it comes to a head in some way. So like I talked about Love Canal um, in, in, in my article and it feels like it, it feels like the Love Canal disaster is like partially a, has like like at least a, a thematic link with uh with uh, this story where basically they um there was a perfume factory uh and they use all that in the 30s and 40s and they use all sorts of terrible chemicals and as like solvents and so on and they would just dump them um and then they got busted for dumping them so they started burying them surreptitiously on the grounds of this factory eventually the factory gets shut down um and uh, there's like going to be a big tax burden coming. Uh, and so they give the land to the township, basically. And, the t- and they're like, here's some free land. Um, Fuckers. And, and there's a conversation that was discovered later, uh, basically where the like the like head of like litigation for the company is like, what about all those chemicals? My recommendation is we get them to sign something saying we take full response. We we take ownership of everything and everything in it is our problem. And we are totally indemnifying you for many problems that could happen. Not that there are any, but just as you know, just there could be. Um, and they built a uh, a school and a housing development on top of all these buried chemicals, like thousands and thousands of like drums of like basically like dioxins and all sorts of you know like like pcbs also terrible stuff um and they had to completely tear down it's like uh, poltergeist yeah yes yes it is yes exactly like like uh, poltergeist and it was literally like like people like when it rained like sludge would rise to the surface of like everybody's Mm. lawn they're like well that's not good um yeah and and so like it that it the damage was done you know 50 years before people realized what was going on and all of a sudden it's like oh fuck we tried to live on the fucked land as it turns out so land that was haunted by poisons yeah well and you've hit on something really important here which is unfortunately doesn't relate greatly to this podcast but uh i mean it it wouldn't take a lot of googling to uncover like like the there there is a a a plant that produced most of like the apple juice for children in this country over the course of about 20 years. And um, about 15 years into that, it was determined that what they were, what they were producing and giving to people was about 10% apple juice. And the rest of it was sugar and chemicals. And so they got fined and they were told that they could never do this again and finish the story for me. What did they fucking do? They changed of the name of the company did and kept doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, exactly. It's it's a new name, and they kept doing it, and there were no concept. Well, okay, actually, a couple of people went to jail, but like the production line didn't stop. Yeah, yeah. Well, so so mm-hmm. I, I do want to, you know, after all this uh, heavy stuff, I just want to um, uh, bracket it by saying this story came out in two thousand eight. Yeah. Oh. 
Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah. I just want to say that um, the <laughs> the forces that we're we're all talking about here were all there well, present, uh, probably at the, maybe I'm, a couple months after or before this story came out. I'm I, I don't so remember happy when. that Obama took care of all that and strengthened <laughs> the EPA and nipped all that in the bud. So mm-hmm. you know. Nice story, Paulo, but, you know, probably not relevant anymore here in 2022. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he went to he went to Flint, Michigan and made sure that all that lead got taken out. Dude. Of oh, dude. Mm. If you haven't seen the video, <laughs> listeners, is... if you haven't seen the video where he pretends to drink the water in Flint, it's like, mm, it's fine, man. You got to no, no, go no, watch no, that. No, 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 no. He doesn't. Do, he says, I'm feeling a little thirsty, folks. And he asks to for someone to bring him a glass of water, and the I think that shows up in I forget in which um, uh, fuck uh, Michael Michael Moore Michael Moore. Moorcock yes. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Moorcock <laughs> he the does documentary now. Michael Moore <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah Michael Moore uh, I forget which um, which of his documentaries he he sort of uh, I think that's Fahrenheit nine eleven or whatever. Um, he shows a little clip of it and it's really chilling just to see sort of like the, it's, it's really an orchestrated performance, Mm -hmm. you know, it's one of those moments where as you're watching it, you're like, Oh, Adam Curtis will totally use this in a future documentary. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You're you're not wrong about that. Over top of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, I want to talk about something light briefly because I okay. think we need a palate cleanser. Have you been hearing the barking outside? Yes, I was hearing that at the beginning. Less so now, but I was hearing that. Okay, so what's been going on is that there is a new dog across the street. He is a pit bull, and oh. like he is really feeling his fucking oats. <laughs> so like he stands at the fence and barks for about a half an hour straight and Chewy ignores it until he finally gets mad. And then he's like, shut up, shut the fuck up until that dog <laughs> runs inside. And so that that's, that's been the cycle all day is like that dog barks constantly until Chewy drops the hammer. <laughs> well, God bless Chewy. Oh, like uh, nobody's breaking into my house. I'll tell you. No. <laughs> So, uh, uh, speaking of palate cleansers, uh, Kurt, let's talk about, uh, some of the weird drugs that these people do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I was trying to figure out what Effie could be and I didn't, uh, I couldn't figure it out if it was a reference yeah, to either. a particular drug. I, I, I was wondering if it was like fentanyl or something, but it doesn't act like fentanyl. seems like it, it reminds me more of like, uh, of Molly. like like molly or yeah or like yeah, yeah, like, like, like pcp or something but mm. it's probably a reference to something in particular but i'm just not I, i'm just too yeah, much of a trog I'm, to figure it out so <laughs> I, I, i'm just too much of a square man yeah oh not, yeah uh, but, I, I do i do want to re- read a little bit here because it's it's really uh, this is where i think <laughs> oh no no this is before that because this is just as they're going into the club where they're they, so so uh just to set it up a little bit uh the 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 same friend Nora who got the weird pimply rash from jumping into waters that Travis uh told her yay maybe you shouldn't do that <laughs> uh uh is it basically they're going up on a double date to this like uh I guess a weird rave-ish scene mm-hmm. um and they're climbing these stairs and blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, they get into the club and apparently they, they get dosed as they're coming in. And so uh, the this is real. I, I just almost cackled as I was reading this because it's the kettle drums throbbed inside my eyeballs across the club. Nora was dancing with woo. And now that my Effie was kicking into overdrive, I could see the positive qualities. She danced fast and furious. Her hair was long and black. Her zits were the size of breasts. They looked succulent. (laughs) (laughs) And so funny. I couldn't help myself. But yes, then then he gets pulled aside um, uh, in the midst of like doing some like weird bathroom sex with someone that's not his wife. Like you said, Kurt, uh, he's he's pulled in there by the club owner who uh, basically says that he's got a problem. He's going to have a riot, a riot, a riot. And it gets really into like repetition. Uh, I, I, I was just like riveted by the way that this is this whole part was written. And I don't know if 
if uh, you were enjoying the craft there uh, yourself, Kurt, but I was just digging it a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, I I like that it's, the prose gets like everything else was very, you know, um, you know, well written and 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 like very straightforward, and then like this part gets very manic and like real like short like you know parts where it's just uh, you know sometimes just one word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's written in a very kind of like Jack Kerouac uh, sort of way where it, it, there's there's like sections in, you know, books like On the Road where he kind of does that, that, uh, you, you know, burn, 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 like fabulous yellow Roman candles exploding like spiders across the stars and in the middle. You see the blue center light pop and blah, blah, blah. It's very like, you know, run on sentences and lots of like evocative imagery. Uh, and, and, and yeah, there's there's I. I love the part where, you know, he's he's like oh, he's under the bar trying to uh, figure out what's what's going on. And it says, uh, you know, growing moss and mildew, but nothing else. No yolky tonic coming out of these suckers been sucked dry, sucked full dry by too many thirsty dinosaurs. And of course, that's a problem. No tonic. None. None at all. More eggs. More eggs. We need more eggs. More big silver tonic dispensing eggs. Need to rumble in on hand trucks and roll in on white jacketed bow tie bartender backs. And it's just like on and on and on. It's great. It's it's fun. It's, it's so very good. like Hunter S. Thompson, Jack Kerouac. Mm, um, yes. Uh, it, it also reminded me a bit of like William S. Burroughs. It has kind mm. of like like there's a bit, there's a little bit of naked lunch. I feel like in the DNA um, mm-hmm. of this, especially like the um, naked lunch has a lot of n- not just like modernity is is alien, but modernity is like slimy, slop them up boys, gross alien, like <laughs> you know, uh, elephants boiled alive in their tanks. Just like gross <laughs> imagery, very organic, wet, slippery imagery. And there's 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 a lot of that in this, and I I love it. I I I eat it up. I drink it up. <laughs> it's good it's a good short story you should read it <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we we all agree we all agree oh you yeah, think I, you you think you were born into the new wave i was it, <laughs> i was molded by it <laughs> you merely adopted the eggs yeah I, i'm really gonna have to check out um some more of his his writing because this was fantastic yeah, it's uh, it's very um it's very brisk. The style mm-hmm. is like it moves very quickly. Um it's it's I would call it like it's like self-assured writing where it's like I've said everything I need to say about this uh section. So like when I, I think for for me, one of the most evocative sections apart from like the club is probably when he gets to the library, right? And there's like a paragraph. Mm-hmm. Or like a, like a couple sentences of description about you know dust on stuff, but it's not like it's not super purple or anything. Like he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't um, belabor the point of how old and decrepit it is. He just kind of says you know it's an old decrepit dusty library. You know there's piles of burnt books around. Like he's it, 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 he seems to know that he's he's built enough of 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 a strong aesthetic image of throughout the course of this story that he doesn't need to sit there and describe everything to you, even though he probably could, and it would probably be a sumptuous read. It would be very interesting. It just kind of gets in and then moves on uh, with the plot. And I think that that confident restraint of being like, I've said enough, I can move on is a big part of what makes a story like this click along. Um, because if you sat there and kept describing and describing and describing, and this is a weird world. So there's a lot to describe if you wanted to, um, it would really drag it down and it wouldn't feel like a nice brisk read. It would easily be, you know, like a 15,000 word, you know, n- proper novella. Um, and I think it would be worse for it because the, 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 the speed really helps it in, in reading it. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Chris. Well, I, I was and, just, and that's why, ahead. like part of why I was surprised when you called it a no- novel novelette, cause it was just like, it's it felt so like such it was such a brisk read yeah um so so chris if if you were interested uh this i think that this uh collection uh which is called uh, we we got this from pump 6 and other stories um it, it captures a i think it's a pocket of or a a collection of his stories from like 1999 to around 2008 um, and I am forgetting, let me see here, uh, because I do actually, 
I I would say there are other ones here that are very bleak. Uh, mm. the, the the one that uh, I saved Pete from from reading is called "The People of Sand and Slag," mm. which. Which is not it, it 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 is very, very bleak. Mm. Um I would also recommend the, the calorie man. Um mm, I would there are very few of his stories that aren't genuinely interesting. I mean he he's an author that I'd be willing to just tell someone to read something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of these are great. I, I think that uh uh the fluted girl is fantastic, but also uh very um disturbing uh in in different ways uh but calorie man and uh the yellow card man are both set in the world that he eventually turned into uh wind up girl and his later mm. y a novels mm. um shipbreaker and the drowned cities uh there's also um a third one that's called tool of war um which is which is these are all YA novels that are sort of in that same world as the windup girl. Hmm. I, w- I would like to say, because it just amuses the shit out of me. It, this is an author who went into young adult because he thought it would be a less controversial space. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, guy. yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, uh, also there are a couple of other stories, uh, in this same vein, I would say that he has one called The Gambler, which is basically a um, a somewhat uh, near futurized version of Gawker. It's all about like th- sort of what Gawker was at a certain mm-hmm. point in time, <laughs> back in two thousand eight when it was written. I mm-hmm. suppose hmm. um, he's got other stuff that I, I guess I just haven't really read. So friend it's, of uh, the podcast, uh, JT Greathouse, uh, mm-hmm. recommended although didn't provide the name of a story in this same collection um, about a group of, of like post climate apocalypse super soldiers who find a dog. Do you that's know which the, one that is? That's the, yeah, that's, that's that's the one I was okay. whining about. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It is good. I mean, it is very good. It is bleak. Very, very bleak. And there's animal abuse. Hmm. Yes, yes. Well, I'm going to go read that. I I like animal abuse. I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> like, but it, sounds, say, it sounds cool. It's uh, like in my in my best community voice. Like, I, I, I'm i willing to deal with a little apocalypse, but I draw the line at animal <laughs> abuse. Actually, speaking of, you know what this you know what this almost reminds me of a little teeny tiny bit is uh, the postman. This is like a bleak the postman. Mm. I can um, see that. Yeah. More more the book than the movie. Uh, which is actually, it's actually like it's like it's a good book. It's it's a much more contemplative book, and the book spends a lot more time on like how and why society collapsed, and a lot of it comes down to like you know the smart people didn't like decided to not try to help, or they weren't able to help sufficiently to, to keep it from happening. It's and, it, and you know it, it's very much about an Alvarez type character who's like I'm gonna try to put things back back on track. Although the book is a little bit more hopeful it's it's mm-hmm. very like uh like like a fallout well, three people bringing you know bringing everything back we're, we're cheering people up um yeah i mean isn't isn't it essentially that uh the, the the main character finds basically a postal worker's jacket yeah and starts wearing it and the symbol of that in and of itself helps people sort of reconnect with what yeah he's, what we once were something like that he's a grifter essentially and he he travels around um like reciting basically shakespeare plays for like you know food uh and shelter hmm. and and he'll go from like settlement to settlement and he decides that if he pretends to be you know a post office worker and lie to people about the government working that it'll be an easier way to get them to let him in and to feed him basically. So he's, he's like a grifter who accidentally gives people hope. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what it's about. But the book, this isn't in the movie. The book has a bunch of super soldiers, like giant jacked dudes who were created by military experiments fighting each other. Um, and I wish they'd put that in the, in the movie. Cause it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. I suppose that um, 
I, I don't know if we have anything further to say other than, you know, uh, again, recommend, uh, go read this, uh, go read this story. Yeah. Um, I, I was blown away by other this. Stuff. I haven't read anything like this in a while and it was delightful. Read the collection. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. It, yeah. it'll take you yeah, a day. I would, I would recommend that, uh, Kurt. And, and also like, if we want to revisit anything else in the collection, like for instance, Kurt, <laughs> if you want to read the people of sin and slag and, and, and want to talk about it, uh, uh, Pete, you are excused from this if you don't want to do it. <laughs> Well, you know it. what? I may just dial in Chewie and put the headset on him and walk away. <laughs> uh, uh, just start barking. Bark. <laughs> I can hear people. Shut the fuck Suck up, people. people. <laughs> yeah, no, like, get away from my house. I can't see you, but I hear you. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. So other than read read this story, and and like Kurt said, I, I do think that, um, that these types of stories where there is a, a – a hefty amount of skepticism and uh, uh, towards uh, you know, basically <laughs> how capitalism and modernity interact uh, as well as, you know, technology, you know, it, 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 it's a great tool, but it, it might not save you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I actually, there is one more thing I want to say in this is that, you know, we've been, we've been taught, we've, we've walked through very carefully how, miserable and doomed this universe is but it is not it is not a story of of failure because alvarez is a character who spent the whole time with the shoulder against the wheel and at the end of the book he's still fighting he got a bunch of books from the library and he's trying to figure everything out is is he going to succeed well no yeah, that's that to me, Pete. I'm glad you mentioned that because the way it ends is on a somewhat upbeat note. But it, a lot of it, it would have been easy for the story to end in an easy way of like, oh, you know that Alvarez is going to solve the problem now that he's got you know the books from the library. But the story has spent enough time making everything as bleak as it possibly could that you come away feeling like, no, he's probably not going to succeed. So it's a little bit noble mm-hmm. what he's doing, but it's the nobility of like a futile effort. It's yeah. not the nobility of guaranteed success. And a lot of stories that I, that are like this, that I come away not liking it's because they don't, they don't build up the bad shit enough to where it doesn't feel like an easy escape. It's, it yeah. feels like, well, the characters found the lever to pull to fix the problem. And next time we check back in on them, everything will be fine. And this yeah, is like, life no, it seems like it'll be worse. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, Kurt, we must imagine Alvarez smiling. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, I really believe in this. Like this sort of approach to the apocalypse, I think is very important, at least to me personally, because like there's a lot of things happening right now that are miserable and I feel powerless about it. Like you guys know about the school lunch program thing. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like we're fucked, Mm. but like there is something you can do, which is go down fighting, fight like a Viking. You might think make things better. It's remotely possible that you and enough other people do it that you could, you can win. And that is, on some level, a message of hope. And I take some comfort from that because like what other comfort is there? Well, I mean, um, I I think to your point, Pete, um, it's, it's something that, uh, and, and Kurt, I think you're, you're absolutely right. It's set up a little bit when he meets the, um, who he thinks is the librarian. And she's like, Oh, heavens no i'm uh, i was in uh, what was it psychology or so she was like a psychology uh major or whatever uh who's basically she's she's been sort of safekeeping the library and perhaps even squatting there um uh and, and she's like you know essentially tells him you know he's like okay you know can you help and she's like no i i i can't i i don't know anything about it I, I couldn't even begin to tell you how to, how, you know, what, what questions to ask. Um, and, and truth, the truth of it is that, you know, um, it's no longer, you know, I got 10 more years. It's no longer my problem. It's up to you. And that's, you know, sort of the, 
that is has been echoed throughout the story because like Mercati, you know, basically dies uh and and doesn't isn't really able to um pass on like that uh, institutional knowledge all the way the way he'd like to Alvarez who is probably the only person that he thought would be able to receive his, you know, tutelage. And it's it's such a I don't know how to feel. Um, I I don't know how you get to the end of this and not feel like you said, Pete, a little hopeful because Alvarez has found some sort of meaning, you know, some sort of way to try to do something and help, right? Uh, but even if he does not succeed, you know. Who's you know? Did he do good? I don't know. Yeah, I'd like to think he did. I mean, honestly, I I think keeping the toilets running by yourself for a decade for a whole city is. I mean, that's a net good, no matter how you slice it. Yeah. Well, he prevented the he prevented everyone from living in a world of shit, <laughs> amongst other many other chemicals. Um. Any last thoughts? Yeah, Chris had something. I felt like we kept cutting Chris off, which is something I do not like to do because, you know, that's no, I, I, I am. I, I think I am. I'm all taked out. OK, thanks, though. <laughs> all right. Thanks for looking at, though. All right. Well, I do want to thank everyone uh, for reading along with me and uh, revisiting this this rather uh, bleak but fun story. And to everyone out there, go read it. Thanks for listening. If you already read it, and we'll catch you next time here at Podside.